Hello and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse. Uh, this is a weekly podcast where I, your host, uh, Matthew Whitby, sit down with amazing creators of the DMs Guild. And I am privileged, as always, to be joined by the amazing Noah Grand. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, everyone. Like I said, I think, yeah, this, is, this, 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 this chat has been, been, been in the works for a little, a little while and I'm, I'm glad we can finally nail down a day yeah. to, to yeah, have I'm, this chit chat. I, I, we can nail down exactly it's, yeah so let's uh, let's it's let's, a bit of let's oh, sorry. for me so i think i so i i've noticed with some of these chats as well i do need to be get better at to anticipating the delay because what is it i'm in the uk you're over in the us sometimes yes. um but i, I i'm gonna well, this, this is gonna be a smooth smooth podcast i swear um it will <laughs> there's all, and there's also the anticipation of just needing to you know this is the first time we've talked we're learning each other's body language and Okay, when are they going to be done talking? That it's a learning process. Yeah. It's a learning process with everybody. Yeah, no. So I, yeah, I think as well. I I I'll put like a ten second timer on every time I talk, and then once that time is up, you can just jump in, and then we could be back and forth for the, an hour. One, <laughs> one second. <laughs> one second is actually a lot longer if you're sitting and pausing. Yeah. So let's 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 dive straight into it then. Um. So for those who may not be aware of some of the things that you do. Um, what sort of products, what, you know, how, how are you involved in the DMs Guild and the d and community? So the main way that I'm involved in the DMs Guild so far has been as a writer. Uh, I, um, based on when we're re- recording this podcast, which is on May 4th, uh, I had three adventures just by happenstance all get released uh, within 24 hours of each other, yeah. uh, to help be, uh, you know, some of them to help be a part of the play, play it forward, uh, campaign. So the production date got moved up a little bit. Uh, and I've also done some work as an editor, uh, getting into more of a project management role, but that's something where it's still very much in the work. So I can't really talk about all the details right now no it, interesting and uh so as well i think i remember i remember reading on you as you know doing doing my sort of um reporter my re- reporter i yeah. don't know if i can call myself that but doing my my due diligence and my research um <laughs> i found out you were you were involved in a lot of the uh the uh, uh, um the um for the pax adventure league content so working with act inc so yeah so so it's it's important to clarify that at uh at PAX Unplugged, one of the things is that the role initiative, which is run, organized play games at both PAX Unplugged and PAX East on the East Coast, that you know, they ran a number of Adventurous League games. And also one of the things that uh, the role initiative did for the first time in uh, you know, collaboration with Penny Arcade and you know, and getting a lot of people involved was producing some Acquisitions Incorporated adventures, uh, specifically for PAX Unplugged. And, and that was something that people really enjoyed, uh, all the adventures. Uh, there, there was a great team that the Roll Initiative put together, and I ended up playing a pretty large role in that as the 
uh, writer for the large uh, multi-table interactive event. Wow. So, called so Franchise Freaks. Was it? Was it? Is it still called an epic, or was this before the sort of epics had a title? So D and D epics is trademarked by Adventures League. Oh, I, I see. Okay. Yeah. The, the, yep. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, it almost feels fitting that it's almost like a bureaucratic nightmare for an adventure league <laughs> involving at Ink as well. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so I, I guess as well. So, I, my, my immediate question is I'm, I'm a huge Acquisition Incorporated fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and because and this kind of ties into like, you know, adventure writing as a whole. Right. Um, yes. What, what's, what was it like? Uh, like so, I, te- I, 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 I split my question into two parts. Um, but okay. the first part is, is, what was it like writing, you know, for something of, you know, acting in that style? So for me, it was a great experience uh, being able to write in that style because you know, one of the things that I like to do is balance some of the adventures that are a little more serious with some that are a little more whimsical. Yeah. And so having a chance to write that where, you know, one of the, uh, quests and there, there were a combination of different quests that uh, different tables had to choose from as they're all trying to do the most to make acquisitions incorporated look good in order to you know it's franchise Frankus and whoever ends up getting the most points at that event at PAX Unplugged ended up uh, being one of the future uh, success stories where you know, their, their group would get the franchise for this particular small town that yeah. we created. And so just as an example, what one of those uh, small uh, mini adventures is the party gets hired to give a motivational speech <laughs> to a rival organization. And the party shows up and the, the, the kind of leader of this organization uh, is a gnome with a completely dyed lime green beard. And all of the employees of Lucidity Industries, they all are wearing identical clothes. They're all completely uniform. And so what the party has to do is try and give a speech to kind of demotivate them but subtly work in some things that Acquisitions Incorporated is a lot better. And so there, <laughs> there was a lot of that tone. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, I, I imagine, like, it, it definitely opens up a lot of, like, interesting adventure hooks or things that you just can't necessarily play with otherwise. It, it does, yeah. We, yeah, we, we had a, a lot of uh, fun adventure hooks that all the authors worked with, and not, not just adventure hooks, but also uh, for a lot of us, it was kind of a breath of fresh air to write things that weren't as combat focused as sometimes other organized play adventures can be. So I guess as well, so my, 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 my part two of my question was originally then is the fact that this was a, uh, a multi-table <laughs> event um, yeah. the, to use the terminology correctly. Um, what, what, like, what, what were some of the challenges for like writing or like organizing an adventure in that style? Because it's not, it's not common. Um, yeah. So so the some of the challenges there is uh, the the biggest one is 
if you go around and you survey people who do a lot of organized play and who you know, play in a lot of these events or DM a lot of them, and I, you know, with, in the lead up to writing this, I was DMing, you know, on average about one of these a month, if not more, which is pretty high. But thank you. So you, you go around, you survey people, everyone's going to have different things that they really want out of these one events. You can't satisfy everybody. So what uh, Garrett Clone and I did, and get, Garrett was the uh, story lead for all the adventures in this, uh, for, for this event, for PAX Unplugged, and was absolutely wonderful to work with. has been, you know, really great mentor to me. And we pretty much agreed that there were certain goals that we wanted to set, that we wanted to have something where players would be able to choose how much they wanted to do combat as opposed to exploration uh, or social interaction. We decided that we wanted to have something that would be fun, that would be whimsical, that would be fitting a lot with the tone of Acquisitions Incorporated. Mm -hmm. And if someone was hoping that a multi-table interactive would be, well, it's a battle of life and death and you're just fighting, fighting, fighting all the time. Mm -hmm. There are other adventures that Adventures League has put out there that would be more to their, to that player's style. Interesting. And so yeah. again, just, so, to, uh, just, I guess for my own question then is like, so when you say like multi-table event, how, how many yeah. tables is that roughly? <laughs> all right. So, so this ended up being 23. Wow. And, and so, yeah. And so what some of the other things that I had to do as well, this was not just a multi-table event, but one where there was a slight degree of competition because that would be kind of fitting with acquisitions incorporated where you have all these different groups of, well, they're not interns they're sub or sub sub interns <laughs> and they're all competing against each other, trying to get that franchise. So among other things, I had to come up with ways where, okay, you completed a little adventure. Here's some way that you can go around and mess with one of the other tables because that could be a way for there to be some kind of interaction between these tables uh, because we also needed to come up with a story where all the, all the tables, all these you know, two dozen different tables mm -hmm be feeling like they're a part of the same event and the same big adventure so as well so so you said that uh, essentially it was kind of like a race to see how many sort of like uh things that they can do is it the case of like so when it comes to actually sitting down and writing and i take it you're not writing 23 adventures necessarily or or is it no no so so, so the way that we structured this one is that there would be in the beginning, uh, all the parties were given an advance to help fix up this dilapidated wizard shack. And of course, this being Acquisitions Incorporated, it is an advance, not just a, you're given gold. And so that then parties would be able to do some quick things to say, oh, yeah, what kind of businesses do we want to go into? Uh, well, some may want to go build a bar, some other service location. Some may want to start building weapons. Uh, 
others may want to be uh, eh, certain kinds of information brokers yeah. or uh, other uh, maybe a little nefarious types. <laughs> and, and so that, so there, there were some quick options for all of them, which, which you know were designed in a lot of ways just to give people a chance to roll some dice early on instead of having to listen to a briefing or a DM for a long time. That's something in general I like to do in adventures is try and avoid the 15, 20 minutes of here is the DM explaining everything. Yeah. And then the middle section had and ended up being seven subquests with the idea that groups would try and do three. Okay. And one of the other things that Garrett and I had to do is because kind of like you said, there, there can be a tendency among players to just race, 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 and you don't necessarily get the best quality of experience if you're trying to race and complete as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So I had to create a system and create encounters where there were tangible rewards for going a little slower and putting some more creative thought into how you want to do things instead of just racing forward. No, that's, and, yep. yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of the sort of the, it's a design challenge that is yes. like, you can try and wrap your head around. Um, yep. But I, I take it I, like from running other sort of um, multi-table, you know, ventures or epics, um, you kind of pick up the, what the flow is and what it should be. And I take, I take it the event yes. went down yeah, it's really well. Yeah, yeah, it went down uh, very well. Uh, we got really positive feedback from it, and you know, and hopefully uh, we'll have a chance to run it again or something like that at future PAX events. No, yeah, no. that that's something where it's an open discussion. Yeah, that's really all I can say about that at this point. No, I, so, so, yeah, I think, people kind of above me on the food chain. <laughs> you, you just get you have to sort of weigh it out. <laughs> um, I was like, so th thank you, thank you for indulging me in that in that uh, multi-table uh, acting talk. Um, <laughs> I, no, it's it, it's 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 fascinating just because like yeah, it's 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 not too common. Um, I'm curious. No, about, when when did you actually like start writing adventures and stuff like that? When did you actually get like get into everything? Was did you start with acting yeah. or no? So so I started writing uh, my first uh, writing sample to try and get people to look at it and give me a chance to write a full length uh, adventures league uh, community created content adventure. Mm -hmm around two years ago, but one of the th things with the ALCCC program is uh, kind of by design, it's a very long process from starting out, creating an adventure idea to actually having something released. So in my case, even though it, it's something where I've been working at writing ad adventures for a while, my first solo adventure uh, only reached the DMs Guild, I think, two weeks before PAX Unplugged. And yeah, so, so I imagine like it's a case of like, you probably have like, yeah, a number of adventures that are sort of kind of waiting to go through the, the, the system yeah. before they can sort of be published. 
Um, and yeah, do, 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 is, so the first one, if I remember correctly, is it um, the toxicity? Uh, so, so toxic, so it's weird because toxicity is the one that I started working on first. And oh. as I was working on toxicity, uh, David Morris approached me to start writing, uh, John to the center of Faerun mm -hmm. because, uh, he, had a deadline and one of the things that can happen if there's such a long lead time is well you know, things can happen with uh, the writer who was initially scheduled to write a ccc project because you know life can happen and lots of things can happen to us uh, mm -hmm. you know in a six month span let alone a nine month span or a year so basically uh david was looking for a new writer and I uh, had heard through a mutual friend of ours that among other things, I have a journalism background. I can write things relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. And so he contacted me to go ahead and write that one on uh, for Adventures League, what's a relatively short deadline. And okay, interesting. And, and so, so when it comes to like writing for, because um, right, obviously, as you mentioned, was it just before this, you had, um, was it Exit Pursued by Albert's and your yeah. uh, like both both um, collaboration projects with the uh, the princess projects as well. Um, yes. In your mind, what, what what do you find the differences between writing like aside from like the fundamentals like you know uh, uh, guidelines that you have in CCC and you know I guess guild content. Mm -hmm. But what, how do you find like the creative yeah. process? How does that differ? So, I think one of the things for the creative process is whether it's a CCC or whether it's an anthology, mm -hmm. I'm going to be working with someone who has an idea of what it is that they're looking for as a project lead. And the main difference is with CCC, sometimes the project lead has not only an idea they're looking for, but there's a story arc in place mm -hmm. and they're, looking for writers to you know, help write adventures that fit into a broad overall storyline or broad overall story arc. And so they're making sure to have good communication back and forth with not only the person who's coordinating the story arc, but also the other writers who are involved is something that's, very important. So in a lot of ways, when it works well, it's uh, in some ways more collaborative because with the anthologies, every adventure in an anthology is fitting a common theme, but writers can pretty much go and do their writing by themselves because the adventures don't directly tie into the same world. They don't have any characters who overlap. So I, I guess so, it's, it's, it's I, to, but, to, 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 to latch onto that as like a, a adult question is how, how, yeah. how do you, how do you find like the, the process of like, continue, like with, with, with CCC and actually the continuation of, of not, well, yeah, the continuation of someone else's story. And, and do you have any sort of like tips or like, like advice for like how you, you know, keep things consistent or is that the job of, you know, like the editor? Or, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's something where uh, 
as I've been working at it more and as I've been working more closely with a range of not only other writers on projects, but also uh, various story leads. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the advice that I would have is just from my experience as a writer, when I got a, okay, here's, here's what the story lead is interested in. And here's kind of the broad framework. Good story leads understand that, you know, it's a good, you know, I can give a framework, uh, but I also want to give space to the writer to things. So the writer can also feel investment and ownership in the story. Yeah. So there's good collaboration back and forth. There's a good give and take. And yeah. uh, going to bring up Garrett again, uh, yeah. who was the story lead for the Acquisitions Incorporated Adventures. And he came up with the broad idea of where all the adventures would be taking place mm -hmm. in this kind of adventuring boomtown. Uh, very much inspired by Deadwood. <laughs> and then we had a writer's meeting where, you know, writers pitched various ideas. Uh, Adam Scaramella pitched the idea of having this very dour gnome who would be the Acquisitions Incorporated liaison and basically the you know, closest we had to a traditional quest giver who would be a recurring character mm -hmm. in every adventure. And then Adam and I worked together a little bit as, you know, in terms of how to best present uh, this character as a non-binary character. Mm. And, and so we, we had a lot of good collaborations there. And as it got closer and closer, we also had collaborations on, okay, do we have a bar in town? Okay, it's a boom town. Do we have two bars in town? Do we have <laughs> enough bars in town for all the various things that we need? Yeah. Do we have maps? What other locations do we have? And so you get, you know, with, with the best collaborations, you, you get a good back and forth. And as a writer, you embrace that there's going to be some of that give and take. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the places where this runs into problems is sometimes there are writers who are focused entirely on their own ideas yeah. and they don't necessarily communicate that well with others or they aren't necessarily cognizant of how some of the things that they could do in the first adventure may affect other adventures later on in a trilogy. Yeah. And, and, and then from there, it has like a knock-on effect. So yeah, you kind of have to be careful where you tread. Yeah. Yes. Okay, no, that, that, that kind of perfect. It kind of leads me into like my, my next question, which is more of like, okay, well, in, in this whole part of the process, um, do you have like a, a particularly, do you have like a favorite part? So with me, the, the favorite parts uh, vary a bit from adventure to adventure. It's usually at, at some point in the writing process, finding either some character characterization that works really well to kind of illustrate what the entire story is about, or sometimes it's something more mechanical that's memorable because one of the things that I really try and do is come up with something that's going to happen during the adventure 
that people are going to remember when they're done with the adventure. And so one of my favorite things from the adventure that I wrote for the Princess Project is just a smaller scene trying to illustrate that, okay, the party has, not just the party, but the entire kingdom that they're in has just been pulled into hell. Well, how do I show the party that, okay, they're in hell all of a sudden? Yeah. That they're in this particular very lavish uh, construct within hell. Mm-hmm. Well, all the roads are paved with gold. And <laughs> not only are all the roads paved with gold, and there are some people who are, very, who are dressed in very fine gowns and, and suits. They're walking to the big wedding. And then there's a dwarf who just came out of her shift working at a bar. Clearly looks like she's just come out of her shift and can't step on the road because the road is strictly enforcing the hierarchy of hell and charging a toll. And so if characters want to try and help her out, they can try, but they have to pass uh, this being a level 20 adventure. If they want to help her out, they have to be able to succeed a DC 23 Christmas saving throw. The idea being, you know, you know, just trying to show the players that the kind of laws of hell are so strong that it takes considerable force of will to even have a chance of overcoming them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, okay, cool. That's, that's, that kind of leads, I, I leads into like the last question as well, because I was chatting with um, Ginny not too long ago about writing high-tier adventures. Um, and obviously we were talking about how like writing a, a tier one adventure compared to like a tier four they're different beasts entirely. Um, and, you know, the, the amount of mm-hmm. ass- like assumptions you're allowed to make with a tier one saying, okay, well, chances are, a, a, you know, a, a D6 <laughs> to a level one character is going to hurt. But with a level 20, I don't know how you, like, how, how, yep. like, how did you find writing an adventure of that standard? Not standard, but yeah, you know what I mean. So, yeah, I know what you mean. So one of the things that I find, uh, and... I think this is in some ways counterintuitive is because you know, as a designer, you have to make fewer assumptions about what characters can do because you know, depending on your group, uh, level 20 could mean a lot of different things uh, because different groups are going to have different levels of, well, some may call it optimization, some may call it power gaming, yeah. uh, playing with the group where some some members of the group uh, self-identify as quote dirty dirty power gamers <laughs> as kind of badge pride it, it's something that's I think relatively unique to Los Angeles where there are a number of people in the LA uh, gaming area particularly people who've been attached to organized play in Los Angeles who are both uh you know, very invested in role playing and also very good at optimizing characters. <laughs> uh, the two worlds collide. <laughs> yeah. It, it, in Los Angeles, the two worlds collide on a regular basis. Uh, so I have a lot of experience seeing what it is that relatively optimized high level characters can do. And 
at a certain point, there's only so much you can do as a writer to fully address the difference in power there's going to be between some high tier groups and others. And so to a certain degree, you can make recommendations to the DM about, you know, here's how you may have to adjust. I'd say for the level 20 adventure that I wrote for the princess project, I gave three different scaling options. Uh, one of them was written roughly with the, uh, with the guidelines in the, in the Dungeons Masters guide. The other one, like, probably about four times the expected uh, experience difficulty of encounters that's in the Dungeon Master's Guide. And I know that in some of the games that I play with, eh, we don't really use the Dungeon Master's Guide. But if you put some of the encounters into the formula, it'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, five times, six times. (laughs) But yeah, some people just they 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 can just t- take take t- take those counters and just shrug it off, and they'll be like, "Oh, was that was that yeah. supposed to be hard?" Or was I that- mean, uh, yeah, the 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 game I play in on Thursdays after our group had to uh, shake off a couple things. Like, okay, now we know where the Garistro and uh, the Wizard controlling are coming from. Uh, let let's see what we can do. Okay, we're prepared. The first two characters go. Uh, we've done enough damage to kill the Garistro twice. Yes, the first two characters, not not just the... Uh... Yeah. you you got to feel sorry for some of the low-dex characters who, like, every encounter, they're just like, I blink, and they've killed everyone. Literally, in the matter of six seconds, they've... <laughs> okay. and that's something, something that I had to do as a DM the last time I was DMing Tier 4, is you kind of retcon something behind the scenes of, oh, oh yeah, the... the, the the lich, the, the lich cast in vulnerability because that was the only way that the lich was going to survive past, you know, the paladin who was first in initiative, yeah. you know, would have just killed the lich boss. And, and so, you know, when writing high tier adventures, there's some of those adjustments that if you've been DMing high tier for long enough, you know to do. But if you're newer to dming those adventures you you have to be taught and if you're newer to writing adventures there are certain things that you might be used to in terms of how to kind of herd players in particular directions that don't work in high tier play yeah no i i think like speaking from my own experiences so a lot of the dming i've done is i like we we tend to like run like low tier campaigns so like we get to like around like level yeah. 10 to 15 and then we move on to the you know the next yeah um so it, yeah I, it is a case of like I, I i don't think i'll ever be ready I, I think the first time i sit down and go everybody sits down with their level 20 characters i think i will be um i think i will be mortified and learn a lot as a dm <laughs> in, in the best of ways um but definitely like learn things uh, so so i so yeah, actually oh, I, I almost uh, forgot i forgot to ask the the, the counterpoint to uh, one of my earlier questions, which is like, so when it comes to like the creative process of writing an adventure or, you know, for everything, um, do you have like a, a least favorite part? Or? So I think my least favorite part would be some of the times when I'm waiting, you know, when, you know, when I basically I've done my part and then I'm just kind of waiting for the release because I don't, 
deal with you know necessarily waiting or anxiety that well is something else that I've realized uh, at, is that I find it's a lot better for me when I'm working on something it, and I'm waiting for someone else later on mm-hmm. that if they get, give me more of a specific time of when it is that they would be ready for me, when people say, oh, you know, I'll get to it or I'll get to it as soon as I can or I know it's in the process, uh, that that's kind of anxiety producing for me. You know, if someone says, look, I can't get to this for two weeks, then I know in my head, okay, this isn't something that's going to happen for two weeks. I can take it out of my head and focus on other things. Yeah. And I imagine the the long tail end on, on CC titles being published onto the DMs Guild probably isn't the most helpful in that sense. Uh, and they I mean, they, and they do everything they can, but it's it's not just that. It, it's also uh, sometimes uh, when it comes to editing, for example, or mm-hmm. you know if if there's a question that I may have for a story lead. Uh, then it's a lot easier if they're just firm deadlines and I have a sense of when people either are or not are not available. And yeah. in some ways, you know, I think one of the best things that everyone out there can do is be up front and say, look, here are particular times when I'm not available because that lets everybody else on the team be able to put that in their own calendars and adjust. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, I, it's kind of like a, um, like a, a fundamental, like solid teamwork and especially in working in these, these team-based environments, it's kind of, kind of yeah. imperative or kind of helps, you know, the, the, uh, greases the wheel. Is that, I, I don't know if that's right. I've said it. I've said it now. That greases the wheel. <laughs> so, um, okay, cool. No, no, interesting. So moving on from that a little bit then. Um, so when you first started to, to the kind of like where you are now then, um, are there any sort of particular lessons you wish you'd learned earlier? Yeah, I think there are two lessons uh, that are going to go in, that are completely unrelated and are going to go in completely different directions. Oh, I mean, I'm here for a journey. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that I learned is Sometimes in adventures, there can be a tendency to present uh, someone getting some kind of madness or going insane or otherwise having some kind of mental health issue as the main explanation for why it is that they do villainous behavior. Mm -hmm. Or there are also things where sometimes stories will present, oh, here was a character who experienced trauma. And as a result of their trauma, they focused on getting revenge. And that's the entire uh, character development. And that's something that can be very stigmatizing to people who have either experienced various kinds of trauma or who day-to-day live with various kinds of mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And 
so that's something where it's been something that I focused much more on uh, as as I've been writing more. It's something I focused more on because it's something that had to be pointed out to me. So I wanted to bring that lesson forward. Yeah. No, in fairness, that is a good lesson. Like the, the same thing of like, as you're writing, you have like inherent, you know, unconscious biases. Um, yeah. And, and also. And, and so, and so, so what, what, one of my, and so what, one of my first antagonists is like, well, maybe I presented them in a, in a sympathetic way. May, maybe not so much. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I suppose the, uh, one of the things about uh, putting a restriction on saying, okay, well, let's, let, you know, let's, let's not say it's, you know, uh, a villain is based like the way they are because of like, you know, madness or, you know, uh, trauma. Um, it, 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 that's, that, that's something of a cliche. And by, you know, by, by not, you know, leaning or, you know, uh, going back on yeah. like problematic things, you come up with something more creative, something more unique. Um, and you know, maybe yeah. something that people can relate to a little bit more. Yeah. And along with that, I think that one of the other things that I'm surprised by, particularly as a DM is how rare it seems that villain that the villains, particularly if you're writing a villain who you clearly intend as a villain to try and you know, get under the the player's skin so the players really just want to stop this villain yeah let the villain enjoy being villainous <laughs> let them have fun yeah not, let the not... dm have have a little bit of that fun and that that will get the players engaged yeah not ev- not every villain needs to be redeemed some people are just bad and they just no. need to be dealt with <laughs> so you, you mentioned yeah. you, had, and, you and if and if they're and if they're not going so yeah so some definitely can be redeemed and others yeah let them enjoy being villains yeah but yeah the the other thing that i learned this is you know also a very personal thing that i kind of had to learn the hard way is when i was first trying to feel my way through the dm's guild and i didn't really know many people uh, di- didn't really know many creators. Uh, some of the first people who I reached out to were pretty hostile to me coming out as being both bisexual and non-binary. And so one of the and so that made me very very hesitant to reach out to anybody else because, you know, I wasn't sure who I could trust and who I could be myself around. And so one of the things that, you know, because I had this really traumatic experience as I was coming out and you know, traumatic experience with, you know, trying to come out through some of the people, you know, or, or around some of the people in my local D and D community who, Thankfully, or at this point, are not as major parts of the local D and D community. Uh, it took me a long time to feel comfortable reaching out to people, and that means it took a long time for me to realize that 
most of the creators who I've met who were members and who were, you know, kind of actively participating in the DMs Guild community have either been some of my biggest supporters as I've been coming out and as I've come out, or at the very least have been tolerant. And that's really kind of all I'd ask from people. But because I did have this pretty traumatic experience, which I've talked some about, uh, it made it very hard for me to reach out to people at first. And... No, I, I, so first and foremost, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm super sorry about that sort of thing. You had to go through that sort of thing. Um, yeah, thanks. And uh, I think I, I, one thing I do, like one thing I guess I, I like about having this opportunity on the podcast is, is um, we do have, like I said, the, 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 thankfully the DMs Good community has, has a lot of good eggs. Um, and and it, it does feel, I mean, like, so I think we were chatting just before the podcast how, you know, the play it forward thing. Um, there's a real buzz yeah. in the community at the moment. Um, and, there is, there, and there yeah. absolutely is. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, you know, you you had the opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, put the, um, I guess, uh, I'm not sure how to, put it, but find find a positive experience in everything. Yes, is, is yeah. probably a, yeah the, the best way to put it. Um, and I guess to keep, keep a sort of positive spin on things. Um, when you uh, sort of began sort of reaching out and sort of having that sort of um, getting sort of positive feedback or, you know, acceptance and stuff like that, um, how, how did that, how did that sort of like um, help with your writing or did it at all? Or like, you know? um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's almost a little hard to describe what, you know, what came first, you know, how, how much was it that, you know, the reaching out to people came first, how much was the writing that came first because they went back and forth. Yeah. And I, for me, finding some community through a number of the other creators on the friends, foes, and other fine folks, uh, anthology of, diverse NPCs that you can add to your game Mm -hmm. uh, was something that, you know, was a really wonderful community for me to, to connect to. Yeah. No. Awesome. Um, And then I I guess, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to reshuffle the order of my questions slightly because it kind of touches nicely. Um, Go for it when you started uh, sort of like, you know, getting in contact with people and stuff like that, um, were there anyone, anyone in particular who like, you know, really helped support you and sort of like brought you up or you know, like, you know? Yeah. So, so in, in a couple of different ways, I, with, with organized play, there are a number of people who helped me out and real, and really, uh, brought me up. Uh, uh, Jay Africa was, uh, you know, who's local to me in Los Angeles. I, I was able to start asking about it after, uh, you know, being a player at his table at a Los Angeles convention. And that's one of the ways that I got started. And, you know, and he, you know, that definitely, ha- definitely helped me out early on when, you know, when he was you know, much more active in the writing community and, uh, you know, both, 
Anthony Joyce and uh, Garrett Cologne. Uh, you know, Garrett's de- definitely been a real mentor to me. You know, uh, you know, in particular, you know, not just as we were working on the acquisitions incorporated work, but also as someone who's written a lot of high tier play and has a very good idea of how it is to you know, challenge different kinds of high tier players. Mm-hmm. And then outside of the DMs Guild, uh, uh, Lynn Meyer was one of the first writers who, who I really started talking to a lot about, you know, about coming out and trying to put that to a certain degree in my games and in adventures that I was writing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and since then, uh, you know, also really getting, getting to know and talk a lot more with uh, Jess Markram and Kat Evans. Yeah. And they've all been really supportive of me in various ways. No, it's no, it's, it, yeah, no. I, again, it's it's always nice when 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 you hear names, and you're like, yeah, no, I, I've heard of that person, as if I, or you know, I've spoken to that person as well. Yeah. Um, and I think it's yeah, I, and so I, I guess it's, so. I, I guess I have like a more of like um, I guess like a, a slightly, I guess it could be phrased as like a slightly personal question. But you said when you were speaking about you know uh, coming out and uh, trying yeah. to uh, like I guess uh, put yourself or you know infuse that into your adventures. Um, yeah. How would you like? Um, like so, I'm going to preface this by just saying, I I'm cis white dude, <laughs> um, but for for people who are listening and stuff like that, who may want right. to you know begin to sort of try, attempt this process, what, what do you have any advice for them? Or so I think the main thing that I would say is something which. I have tweet, uh, tweeted about a bit before is part of my experience was kind of questioning both my gender and my sexuality and being able to, and for some people being able to uh, play characters who aren't uh, identified the same way as you know, we may publicly identify. Mm-hmm is a really important process and for me that was a part of my process but also for me being able to start writing uh, in particular writing some non-binary characters is when i started realizing more and more that yeah yeah this 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 feels right this feels like the right way to describe myself as well and that's just something where you know, it, it took a bit of trial and error and happenstance. And, you know, and in terms of sexuality, that, that's something where it's more trial and error and happenstance uh, as a player, just, you know, because as a player, when I'm role-playing, I'm a pretty kind of method actor. Analyzing that, oh, yeah, hmm. yeah. I, I, I guess the character would be attracted, you know, is attracted to someone of the same gender. Yeah, this feels right. And and then the afterwards going, well, wait, what does this mean? That was weird. And the, and, and, and there's all there's all that, you know, 
messy stuff mm-hmm. that goes along with it. Uh, but for the most, and, and it's dealing with, you know, some of those messy feelings. Uh, you know, some of the best advice that I got is, Hey, look, all this stuff is complicated. You don't have to have all the answers right away because as much as I you know, go out there and talk openly as a non-binary writer, I don't have it all figured out. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I, I certainly wasn't asking for like a, a one-stop solution for everything. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, and and yeah, and, and and it's a process. No, I honestly thank thank you so much for for answering answering that like so openly and just you know break, breaking that down because it's it's I I think it's you know it's it, as you said it's being open about it and just saying that yeah you don't yeah. have all the answers. It's helpful for people who you know maybe in a similar situation to you. Um, and oh, and and there's there's one other thing that. I wanted to add to that. And I think that partially because uh, there were some traumatic experiences that I went through as a part of my coming out process and partially just because in general, uh, cis, trans, gay, straight, a lot of D&D characters come from not necessarily best family backgrounds or, you know, you don't see a whole lot of positive family role models. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I've increasingly tried to do in my adventures is write in uh, positive families in couples who are experiencing positive emotions, who are happy together to try and you know, make sure that that is a part of our gaming world because i think that's something that's very healthy to incorporate i think i think as well i think it kind of leans to uh, like a lot of us as writers like subverting tropes and the idea of like just a normal happy family is almost subverting a trope in itself because ev- like all adventurers are coming from like you know being being orphans or you know coming from thing and the idea of just like oh no i had a very happy family i'm just adventuring for the fun of it you know uh those they're less common and you know just yeah. to sort of like bringing them back into the adventures it's yeah it's a little bit yeah yeah perfect um okay cool so i i, I oh, yeah, that's the, part of it too yeah i was gonna say so the, the the last sort of questions i have um towards the end are kind of like looking looking to the future um and uh so are you are you working on anything at the moment that you can talk about so let's see that that I can talk about uh, a lot of the things that I'm working on right now, unfortunately, are things that I can't talk about for one reason or another. Uh, I think we, we talked a little before hitting the record button about when uh, this would be going live. And so I think that by the time this goes live, uh, some of the things that I've started working on are going to be a little more uh, public knowledge, and mm-hmm. some of them aren't. But in a lot of ways, I'm in a bit of a transition period, uh, starting to pick up a couple of projects here and there, but I'm also doing a lot in terms of uh, managing an online convention right now, mm-hmm. uh, because one of the things that's been a big change for me uh, since 
the pandemic and I'm not sure what it's like where you are, but uh, where I am in Los Angeles, we've been under uh, you know, very strong recommendations to you know, shelter in place yeah. for, uh, I think that when this podcast gets uh, put online, it'll, it'll be about two months. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things for me is someone who has experience helping uh, organize online events is since various events started canceling and various you know places started getting put on stay in place orders or lockdowns i've been doing a lot more work helping various groups move their games online mm-hmm. and wearing a lot more of the uh, convention administrator hat mm-hmm. and less of the dm's guild creator hat so actually, so uh, funnily enough, I, I, I mean to mention this before we start. Um, so I think it was about three days after we had this, this like today's meeting booked. Um, I was catching up on some of the Dragon Talk episodes that I missed, um, and that's when I realised you were you were on recently. You were on Dragon Talk to talk about yes. moving games online, and yes. it was that weird situation yeah. of like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, basically. Uh, it, you know, as soon as you start having a number of conventions start canceling, uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast reached out to me relatively quickly. Uh, you know, uh, starting with a comment with pretty early on writing something for the you know written for the D and D Adventures League website, but it applies to anyone whether or not they're running Adventures League games or not. About just some of the very basics of what it is that you'd need to run a game online. And, you know, one of the first things I talk about isn't, you know, what kind of program do you use or anything like that? It's a question of how important is it for you to have that visual face-to-face like we're having now? No, it, it, no, it, was, it, was, a, it was a really good chat. And um, Thanks. This, is, this is more of like a, like a, a personal question. And, I mean, personal for me in the sense of like, what was it, what was it like being on Dragon Talk? What was, what was that like? Oh, it was great. Uh, un- unfortunately, there, there were a couple of technical difficulties uh, in terms of set, setting up the chat. Uh, I think largely on my end. So we didn't get to talk for quite as long as I would have hoped for because, you know, I like to talk a lot, obviously. But it, <laughs> well, it was a wonderful experience, and I'm glad that it was helpful for people. No, as I say, you, you, you talk the perfect amount for a guest, I think. That's, that's you know, that's, that's what you want. You want people to come on, and, and like I said, Excellent. people are here to, to hear, hear you chat. And no, this has been a sort of super, a super insightful chat. Um, I, I guess so. I, I, I guess the, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll keep keep it moving and ask the sort of like second to last question. Then, um, do you have any sort of particular dream projects? So, there's one project which has been on the shelf for a long time. It was a uh, it was a project uh, where it was originally for an online convention that got canceled. And the, the premise was that there are these two characters, one who uh, 
is in the Feywild, and the other who's in the Prime Material Plane. And they've never met before, but they talk back and forth because they each have opposite ends of a sending stone. Okay. And sending can communicate between planes. And so the basic premise for the adventure is that they uh, you know, try to get together in the Wild to meet for the first time. Oh, that, that, sounds like, that sounds like such a such a heartwarming, lovely adventure. It makes me think immediately and, of um, Do you know the game Firewatch? I'm aware of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes I haven't it played makes, it, but I'm aware. Of it. The, the whole game is literally about two people chatting with walkie talkies, which sending things off. But what you you think? Yes, and, and and of course, as they're planning it, there there are various uh, you know villainous machinations along the way, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, they, this was a, an adventure that was initially proposed for uh, an Adventures League CCC uh, for a convention that ultimately had to get canceled. And so the, this adventure has been kind of on the back burner since as the, you know, I, I think a lot of creators have that one project that eventually we'll get around to, eventually we'll get around to. Yeah. And that's the project that's my, Eventually, I'll get around to it. No, that, that, that's that. No, I yeah, I'm, I'm I, I can't wait for it. To, that to, I, I'm I'm already excited about the idea. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, no, yeah, I, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, yeah. I'm 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 stumbling over my words there, just because like yeah, I'm just my my mind is going through like you know I I like the Feywild, um, and yeah, taking the uh like like I guess almost like the the the, the little known effects of like a magical item, like the fact that sending stones go between planes and playing with that. Like I'm sure there's there's so many little things you can do in in with the magic items in the DMs Guild alone and have these sort of fun little adventures with. Um, but honestly, so honestly, um, Noah, this has been amazing. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Um, if if people are curious, and basically because of uh, this time, this time when it, this episode comes out, you will have some things announced. So people should run over and try and find out these things about you. Where can they go? Yeah. So the easiest way to find me is on Twitter uh, at Noah Grand. Nice, nice and simple. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, and 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 that will be the best place to get all the sort of notifications on your future things. Oh yeah, that yeah that that that's that's the best place to find me. Um, you know the you know in particular, I think that uh, the you know the the thing that um, expecting to be announced uh, more of a any day now as we're recording on the fourth, so it, yeah. it should be you know, uh, done if this podcast is released say a week later yeah. uh is something that will be in my twitter bio so it'll be very easy to find yeah i was gonna say uh the the, the funny thing is is uh you by, by saying that you know i'm actually recording ahead of the time you're peeling back the veil that like i'm i'm a decent podcast host and i have things organized and i have a backlog because i think there's been a few weeks where i have been sort of like writing running by this like the thread of my pants with like trying to get a, a guest a few days before um but hey that's that's something that I do too as a convention organizer. Sometimes yeah. some things are more organized than others. Yeah. So no, dude, I'm like kid, kid, uh, kindred spirits in that sense. Um, oh, also, so technically, um, I did lie. I do have one last question. 
Um, how do you end a podcast? How do I end the podcast? Yeah. How, how would you end the podcast? I do, I do it every week. I, I'm struggling for ideas. I've, I've tried everything. and <laughs> I think you have to end it with an existential question. Wow. Something like, like how do you end the podcast? <laughs> that, that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give that a go. Um, so I have been Matthew Whitby. Thank you so much for uh, joining me this week. Uh, again, be sure to follow Noah on, uh, on his Twitter and stuff like that. His handle will be around and a link to all his DMs Guild products will be in the description below. Um, how do you end a podcast? That's a great question, Matthew. It's been so great uh, having the chance to talk with you. But remember, audience members, we've got a question for you. We've got homework. How do you end a podcast? <laughs>